0: Buddy, welcome to the recovering entrepreneur show i have a very special guest that will educate both of you with a little mental health tie-in which is one of the reasons i was really attracted to him welcome to the shows larry
1: thank you so much it's a pleasure to be be with you
0: so i don't want to leave him in suspense too long and i don't know if i told you this when we first met but I have my future dog's names already all picked out. I know what breed they're going to be. And it's for this exact reason. I want a golden doodle named Serenity and a Frenchie named Serendipity. And it's because the first pet therapy dog, like of the highest caliber, not just like, because I I understand there's three stages or something. At least that's what I think I remember, but you're going to make me smarter. But because that dog had an impact on my life, this topic is near and dear to my heart. I'm just not in a position to have animals yet.
1: Wonderful. Well, this is going to be great then.
0: Yes. So tell us a little about yourself and then let's, let's dive in because I think you told me about a problem that we're having.
1: Well, there is, but uh, a little bit of background on me personally. I own a wealth management firm. I relocated from upstate New York to East Tennessee, where I am currently. And as part of that move, I brought my puppy Scrappy with me. And we moved here sight unseen. We knew no one. So that opened up some opportunities for exploration. And one of the things I discovered, there's this amazing children's hospital here in town that's affiliated with St. Jude's. And that's when I learned about pet therapy. And I knew Scrappy would just be the perfect animal for that. And so we went and uh, did the training for six weeks, got certified, and then, uh, took, uh, Scrappy and myself to the children's hospital. And we did that for eight years and just had some amazing experiences. Oh,
0: I'm sure. That's wonderful. I didn't even think to ask you how you got started with it. So I'm glad that you shared that with me. Is Scrappy still around?
1: No, unfortunately not. She passed away in
0: 2019.
1: Oh, that's her over my, uh, my left shoulder.
0: I was wondering. She's beautiful. (laughs) And I see your book is there as well.
1: That's correct.
0: Let us get started with like, what is your mission? Why is this? Like you had some great experiences, but what do you want to accomplish by chatting with my audience today?
1: Uh, Several things. One is directly to your question. What is my mission? And my mission is to quadruple the number of certified pet therapy teams in the United States. And the reason for that is right now there's 50,000 certified pet therapy dogs and teams. And that may sound like a lot, but let's put it in perspective. If there are 50,000 certified pet therapy teams, there's nearly 70 million students in the United States. That's one team for 1400 students. And the numbers just aren't workable. So that's my goal is to educate people about pet therapy, get them involved. And there's so many reasons to get involved. But the one that just resonates and it was on the news tonight was the event that happened in Uvalde. You know, we had the mass shooting of the children at the school there, which is tragic. But one of the things that did not get a lot of publicity Was that there was actually a pet therapy group from San Antonio that came in after the fact and provided their services to the people that need it. And then I saw an interview with one of the the children at that school, and she made the statement, I'm afraid to go back to school. Mm. We can't have that. We simply cannot allow our children to possess the fear of having to go back to school. And in my mind, One of the ways that we can reduce that fear, not that we're going to eliminate it, but we can help reduce it is through pet therapy. Because imagine if our children got off the bus and were greeted by a pet therapy dog going in. Their mindset is going to change immediately. And they'll be in a more comfortable place, mentally and physically. They'll be better prepared to study. And I just think pet therapy is one of those very rare philanthropic things that we can all do that will make our communities better, stronger, and uh, be able to move forward regardless of what the situation puts in front of us.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. So I should have simplified this and clarified this. So when you say pet therapy and a pet therapy team, can we break that down? What are their roles uh, and responsibilities maybe, and then what is, what benefits come, not benefits. What am I trying to say, Larry, what comes out of the pet therapy or what is the action involved?
1: Yeah. Excellent. Well, there are several things to keep in mind. One, if you want to consider being a pet therapy team, there's really four stages that everybody must go through. Some of it's for the dog and some of it is with the handler and some of it's a combination. But from a dog perspective, the dog needs to be acclimated to other people and other animals, uh, be friendly, and want to be out in the public and be able to meet and greet people they've never met before. So that's the first thing that has to be evaluated. The second is a training program that the two of you must go through together, the dog and the handler. And there are four national organizations that have training programs available. If you go to our website, ataleoflove.com, T-A-I-L, we list those four organizations. And you can find uh, representatives in your community that may be affiliated with one of them and sign up and go through their training. And the training is really more uh, basic obedience than anything else. You know, sit, stay, come and not be distracted by unusual sounds. And to give you an example, because we went into a hospital environment, one of the training exercises was to walk around with your dog on a leash while someone would come up behind you with two pots and, you know, and bang them together. Oof. Well, the dogs never reacted. I was the one that jumped because I, sure. didn't I didn't see it coming. So they want your dog to be acclimated to unusual sounds. The other interesting thing that Scrappy had to do is they'd put a hot dog in the middle of the floor and you had to walk within so many feet of the hot dog. And as you're going by, you say, leave it, leave it, leave it. And they don't want the dog to react to the food on the, on the floor, because depending on the environment that you're in, that could be medicine. And so you don't want the dog to try to get the medicine and, you know, lick the floor or anything of that sort. So for her, that was never a big deal. For Scrappy, the hardest test was what they called separation. So a stranger had to hold Scrappy, and I had to leave the room out of sight for three minutes. And they didn't want her to overreact to my absence. They didn't want her to try to squirm, try to get away, bark, cry, any of that sort. And so one of the things that we did to uh, practice was I would get a friend and we would go to um, Lowe's or Home Depot. And I would have my friend hold Scrappy at the end of one aisle. I'd walk down, go around and just time myself for two or three minutes and then come up the other way. And she just got used to the fact that yeah, I was out of sight. She couldn't see me, but she had confidence in me that I'd be coming back. So the training is a big deal. And like I said, for us, it, it took about six weeks. But then as part of that training, you as the handler are being evaluated as well. Is the dog responding to your commands? Are you, the handler, doing the things that should be done You know, to keep your dog under control? And then the last part is really just a personal evaluation, again, depending on the type of facilities that you're going to go into, there may be some background checks that you have to pass. Um, Obviously, they don't want someone that has a bad history with children going into a children's hospital. So those types of things have to be evaluated. But um, that's really it. It's not that it's real difficult, but it does take work and you have to be dedicated to it. So that's the training part. And you're asking about expectations, the things that you're going to experience. For us, going into the children's hospital, we never knew exactly what you were going to encounter. We were dealing with children that might have been getting chemotherapy one day, or they had just some kind of personal injury. Unfortunately, there was one situation where there was a, a child that had been molested by her father. And they could not get her to calm down. And so the nurse asked if she could take Scrappy. She did not want me anywhere close to the room. She Mm. didn't want me to make any sounds, anything. Mm. Excuse me. But Scrappy did her job. You know, she went in and the girl calmed down. There were seven other female nurses in that room. And when she came out after the girl had calmed down, she knew that those nurses were there to protect her. It was just one of those amazing experiences. But that was the unusual situation. Unfortunately, that was very unusual. But you know, when you're in the presence of a dog, your body goes through a transformation. There's a hormone that gets released called oxytocin. And oxytocin is there to reduce stress, reduce fear. It makes you comfortable. It lowers your heart rate. And because it lowers your heart rate uh, and helps remove some of the stress that's in your body, it allows the body to begin that healing process. And so that's the reaction of pet therapy, regardless of where you go, whether it's a hospital, a school, a library, or a senior center, it doesn't make any difference. The reaction is always the same.
0: Thank you for all that detail and for that powerful share. That's, I, I can see why you're so passionate about it. That's that's a pretty significant difference um, to make in somebody's life. I must've had this all wrong in my head as you're, I guess I didn't understand the definition as well as I thought I did of, of pet therapy. I'm just being full disclosure here. Cause I want to mm-hmm. get my audience, you know, as educated as you are. So I understood the animals as different levels. So like if someone has anxiety, for example, they have their pet therapy animal on the plane. Then there's the ones who fulfill, like if you were blind, they help you walk. And then there is a supplemental one. So maybe if you didn't have an arm, they can open the fridge. I, I'm just making it up. Yeah. Are those different roles that encompass in, in your world too? Am I thinking about that?
1: Yeah. Those are two different types of of animals. You know, for Scrappy, she was a pet therapy dog. And so her role was really 100% comfort. You know, people would pet on her, feel better, lie in the bed with them, whatever that situation might be. It was really just an opportunity for that individual to put their hand on Scrappy and just rub her and make themselves feel better, get that stress out of the system. The other situation you're describing are service dogs. And service dogs provide everything that you just described on amazing levels. Service dogs are incredible. But they are dedicated to serving that specific person and their specific needs. So for example, you describe the person on the plane with anxiety. I met a young lady at an airport who had a dog. And that was exactly her situation. She would get anxious and her dog was trained to smell it or whatever the dog was able to do was to sense her anxiety building. And as soon as that anxiety began to build, the dog sat up and turned and looked directly in her face, right in her eyes. And if that anxiety kept getting a bit more, the dog would jump in her lap and start licking her cheek. And that's what the dog was trained to do. There was another group that I met with out in Palm Springs, California, called Guide Dogs of the Desert. And they were trained to help the blind. And I watched them practice with their dogs. I watched them go through training exercises. And to see the skills that those animals have was absolutely amazing because we were on city streets we weren't in a safe environment we were out on the streets and they were being trained to help their person get across the street safely and correctly and they had ways they had cues they would lean their body up against the person's leg to say no now's not the time there's a car coming or whatever the situation absolutely <laughs> amazing so those are called service dogs, and they provide incredible uh, benefit to whoever their owner is. But yeah, they're two very distinct uh, types of, of animal organizations.
0: I'm glad you straightened me out, Larry. That's good to know. <laughs> and I love that you had some expertise and experience about like being able to share and clarify that in such a way. The other neat thing that I picked up on was you were talking about science, like the chemicals in the oxy-tonin.
1: oxytocin. Oxytocin. Oxytocin.
0: Yeah. I didn't realize that. I know, like I'm the lady. I'm the crazy lady at every dog park, at every parking lot. Anytime there's a dog, can I say hi? That's my line. Can I say <laughs> hi? And I'm on the grounds, and I take selfies with dogs everywhere I go. All the different ones that I meet, because it's fun to meet them. And I think what the way I just understood that was the distinction is pet therapy are almost more shareable. You're sharing your animal for the masses to help take care of them, which explains the ratio you said in the beginning. I'm having my aha moments right now, Larry. So that's why one team can't do 1400 people. It's
1: it's. And, And you really said it perfectly. You're sharing. And that's what pet therapy is. You know, you'll see service dogs, whether they're on the plane and they typically have a vest on and they'll say service dog. But the other unique thing that it says is please do not pet. Yeah, they are there to work and they are working 24 hours a day to make sure that their owner is safe. Pet therapy on the hand is just the opposite. You know, they want to be petted and they allow you to reach out. And you actually feel your body go through a change. I've done TV interviews and you walk out with the dog and everybody on the set, the attitude changes just like that. That's exactly what happens when we would go to the, to the children's hospital.
0: Oh, I love it. I feel the same way about flowers. I tell (laughs) people like, if you walk into a room with a vase of flowers, because that's my past industry, it's hard to not smile. If you look at the flowers, like it, they're. So I understand that visceral reaction. Yeah, I love that. All right. I want to cheat. Cause you had some questions and I have them noted, but the tie-ins. Um, okay. You explained all this stuff really good. All right. The four steps to a superstar.
1: Okay. That's going back to what we were discussing earlier. I mean, you've got to go through the training, you know, you've got to, Spend the time working with your dog. Make sure that it's obedient. Make sure that it's the type of dog that just loves to be people. People always say to me, how do I know if my dog is going to be right Mm. for pet therapy? My response is, do you like your dog? I said, well, of course I do. Well, you know what? If you like it, other people may like your dog too. So take the time and get out and socialize with it. Get around other people. Do what you just were talking about. Go to the park and let the dog play with other dogs or play with other people, get down on the ground with it, be goofy, whatever the case might be. But uh, that's really the beginning. That's how you're going to know if your dog is going to be suitable for pet therapy. Now, the other thing that you've got to be cautious about is that we can't have dogs that jump.
0: Typically,
1: if you're going into a hospital environment, you don't want the the dog to jump up on the bed. Now, you can place the dog on the bed. Fortunately, Scrappy was only five pounds. It wasn't much to pick up. But um, those are the situations that you really just have to be careful about. But if you can accomplish those four things, make sure that your dog is um, likable to other people. And that you can go through basic training with your dog and satisfy those, uh, key elements of the training and that the, the two of you can work well together, then you're going to become that superstar pet therapy team in your community.
0: All right. It was the language. So is there certain, is there certain breeds, um, that are maybe more popular or is it, it could, I'm guessing mutts can do it too, right?
1: Yeah, that's what Scrappy was. She was a bit of a mutt, but yeah, any breed can do it. And I'll just say that right from the very beginning. I don't want to discriminate. Unfortunately, some breeds have uh, predisposed um, biases, if you will. That doesn't mean that it's a bad dog. Um, The most popular are probably golden retrievers. You know, you probably see golden retrievers in pet therapy um, programs more than any other breed but scrappy was a mix between toy poodle and chihuahua <laughs> she was just a funny looking little creature her best friend in training was a great day
0: okay they,
1: they used to sit next to each other it was the funniest thing you could ever imagine she was five pounds he was probably close to 125 pounds but they were buddies they were just absolute buddies so the breed you you want to be aware of but do not allow that to say to yourself that my dog wouldn't be appropriate. Give it time. One of the things that you need to understand is that age with your dog is very important. You're not going to take your puppy and put it into pet therapy training. Give it a couple of years. Mm. Let your dog get those funny years out of it. It's just like a kids. You know, kids go through stages then you kind of reach a teenager level and things mature a little bit more. Take the same approach with your dog. Just give them time to um, grow into themselves. But really the most important thing is to socialize your dog, get your dog out and allow them to see the world that's out there. Scrappy and I traveled everywhere and we would get on the train and ride into New York city And that was one of her favorite things because she would sit on the inside seat and we took the commuter train because she could see everybody get on and off. It was like, she was watching a tennis match. her Head was just going back and forth, but we did a lot of those types of things so that she was very acclimated to different environments. And so I would encourage people to do the same.
0: The world is changing. You bring up a good point about the pets in public and on, on transportation and stuff. It's not just for service dogs anymore. At least that's what I'm starting to notice. Um, I was in the UK in the fall and they were allowed in restaurants there. So I was from Schenectady, New York. When you said upstate, oh, I thought. Uh,
1: Saratoga Springs.
0: Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. So Schenectady, as they were trying to revitalize the area, they would have certain dog nights. Oh, Exactly. So it wasn't quite like the culture to bring them everywhere yet, but they were trying, you know, and with social media, it's a whole lot easier to get the message out. In Kansas city, there's a bar dedicated to dogs where the dogs pay the cover charge and the humans get in for free. (laughs) And instead of just flights of beer, there's flights like there's the beef stew and a doggy ice cream, and it's a, it's literally a bar catered to dogs where the owners can you know participate too if they want. That's great. That's yeah, great. so I feel like the culture's changing, and now that I have a little bit more clarity, it sounds like you don't have to be. In my head, before we had this conversation, you had to be a person who did this as a job, like you went in had to do extensive extensive training. 6 weeks sounds very little compared to what I had in my head and that this was like a job. So you're very eloquent and I love how well you speak and break it down to communicate like the steps, the requirements, the resources. You've done a lovely job with that. So now I understand anybody can do it. Yeah. And and do you have any idea what what are the stats? Like how many people are dog owners?
1: Oh, gosh, I I don't have that number off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, There was something like 30 million dog owners. The number jumped tremendously during COVID. Mm. You know, when people are at home, people went to the shelter, got a dog as a pet, so that they had somebody to entertain themselves with. Yeah. Or a cat, whatever the case might be. So the numbers are large. It's just the fact that, People don't understand exactly what pet therapy is and the requirements. No one's been out talking about it until now. And now that we've got the resources available to everyone that would want to think about it, I, I just encourage people to take a look at it, you know, and, and find out if there is a pet therapy program in your community, go explore it, see what the requirements are, take your dog, let them interact, they're going to be the ones that will direct you everywhere that you need to go and, and how to go about doing it. But we just, like I said, we just need more, you know, there's only 50,000. I want to quadruple that as quickly as we can. The other interesting thing that's happening, Bobby, is that you're going to see pet therapy in many more places than you've ever seen it before. So for example, universities, 60% of colleges in the universities in the U.S. now have pet therapy programs. Wow. It's just not real structured, and they tend to show up during exam time and allow the students to come out and decompress for a little bit. Probably the most unique one is Yale Law School has a dedicated pet therapy dog that stays in the library. You can rent the dog for, you know, 10, 15, 30 minutes if you wish. But that's why, I mean, it's, it's beginning to gain acceptance, as you were describing, in, in England, which is very, very dog-friendly. And that attitude is coming into the U.S. And I think what's changed is our attitudes about dogs and cats or any kind of pet. They become part of the family. They truly are considered part of the family now. And that's the attitude that has really changed. We just want to take it to the next level now. Now that they're part of the family, let's get them involved. And I mentioned earlier that pet therapy can be philanthropy. I believe that it's our way of giving back to the community. We just happen to be fortunate enough that we've got this beautiful four-legged creature that has a love for other people. And that love is going to be shared and dispensed wherever they go.
0: Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. Like I said, the pet, He didn't have a service dog vest, but the Frenchie that I fell in love with would come to Zumba events, and his owner was educating the same kind of way to spread, you know, his his mantra was spread love. So I don't know if he went just to make us all feel good because you know, like we're in that environment. But when he was there, he was like a celebrity, and we all went and you know visited with Polo. Like you you knew to look for Polo whether you were in Florida or New York City, and that was that was my first experience with with that context. And I'm like, I love this.
1: That's fabulous.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really pretty neat. So are you going to get another dog Larry?
1: Bobby, honestly, I think about it every single day. I really do. It's um, it's something I want to do. I don't know that emotionally ready yet. I mean, our bond and our relationship was really that close, but the other reality is I'm traveling a lot and so i can't just get a puppy and be at home to train it properly and do everything that needs to be done so those are some of the considerations i still have to deal with
0: that's why i only have future dogs right now for that same reason (laughs) (laughs) because i couldn't be a good enough parent i've always said that that's why i don't have real children is because it wasn't until i could be like the kind of parent i want to be i probably could be a good parent but not if you're traveling and and taking care of business. And sometimes our purpose trumps.
1: I get it. I'm in the exact same situation. I have no children, but it's always been very business focused for my life. When Scrappy came into it, things changed. I mean, it really, it changed a lot. And so I said, we were in New York for several years together and then moved down here to Tennessee. And that was uh, when things really changed for the better for us.
0: That's fabulous. So what else, Larry, have I not dove into that you think people should know about this topic?
1: Well, I think it's one of those things that I hope everybody will take it into consideration. Go to our website and take a look at the different resources that we have. We have the four different national organizations. So depending on where you are, you can, you can find someone that will help teach you the, the ropes of pet therapy. The other thing I'll share with you is just as part of what I do with the book, uh, I donate proceeds every month to a charity, whether it's animal related, children related, it doesn't make any difference. So if anyone is listening that is part of a charity that kind of fits that very broad description, reach out to us. We'll be happy to support your cause through the sale of the book and uh, give back to your community, wherever that might be. And if you want to get an idea of what the book is really about, it's um, there's a little free sample because it is life lessons from Scrappy, a pet therapy dog, because it's the things that she taught me yeah. about, about life and just, you know, dealing with certain situations. She was absolutely amazing how she dealt with these children and their families. And I share some of those stories. And so it's those stories of compassion, love, and laughter that you're going to read that I think will convince a lot of people to consider pet therapy as their form of philanthropy going forward.
0: That is awesome. So they can find your book on your website too?
1: Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: But this was very enlightening. And for my, my folks in recovery, when I think about what this could do and how they can give back without a big um, burden, you know, like it's hard when you're rebuilding your life, but you almost can have your own therapy and be helping others, which is step 12, right? Like in, in all 12 step programs, it's all about giving back. So you just gave me a new lens when I'm sharing my message to suggest that. So hopefully I can help you get to your quadruple because it shouldn't be that hard. I'm thinking of my mom. My mom has been out of the hospital for a year and she just invested in a dog like, which is really weird. We had pets as a kid, but it was because bio dad brought him home and she was anti animals. And now she proactively got it. And I know that Sassy's making a difference in her life. I could tell by the moods and the videos. And so what you're doing is a hundred percent factual and impactful. And it doesn't have to be like, it's so easy to make excuses. Sometimes there's just, I can't see the excuses in this one.
1: I, I agree with you. And it, you know, for any kind of therapy, whatever we may be recovering from, the dog is going to do so much for us personally, because it, it gives us that emotional support. You know, there is a reason dogs are considered man's best friend. You know, that didn't come out of the sky somewhere. That developed over time. But it also makes us get out. You know, we've got to take the dog out. And it allows us that time to exercise, get some fresh air, meet some people and share that, that common bond.
0: That's true. Now you just reminded me of a friend we met on the path during COVID when we'd go for our walks every day, he was out there with the dog and we'd get to visit with the dog. You're right. And it's connection. So they say the opposite of addiction is connection. It's easier to talk to strangers, like the dogs, the prop, you know, like they joke about dogs being the chick magnets and, and all of that, but you really can meet new people and and really be present in your life. So as I'm talking, I could think about the amazing lessons that Scrappy must have taught you I could just talking about what dogs do is very significant. So your personal lessons must be beautiful.
1: I hope so. Wow.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. I am. I'm am so very grateful for what you're doing and for sharing it with us. I am. I'm excited to support you any way I can, Larry.
1: Thank you, Bobby. And you are awesome.
0: <laughs> thank you.